Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway, all that way your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, there's a lot of moving pieces in terms of last week, various kinds of projects and you know building and, and whatnot. But before I fully dive in, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, let's get into this. Uh, in no particular order, last Wednesday, my friend Khalil and, um, and Eric... They're putting together this comedy special, right? And so um, the actual taping of it won't happen till a little bit later. However, uh, we had the ability to go into the comedy club and do a run-through. And that's always very beneficial, right? Because, you know, you get to learn the space. You get to see what works, what doesn't, what you're missing. Uh, and that way, <clears throat> on the day of the show you can actually get it correct, right? So it's not like it's not like in sports where, you know, it's it's the final championship and you have just one opportunity to to, you know, get the victory, right? So to speak. This was very much, okay, let's take advantage of this. And and yeah, it was it was very needed, you know, you learn uh just the various chords that you need, right? Whether it be electrical or sound wise or you know, anything else, um, it's, you, you, you go into it with an overall idea, but it's those minor adjustments of like, oh, okay, we need this tiny adapter, or you know what, instead of a tripod here, we need a monopod here, um, and also to make this, you know, to make this camera angle work, we need one Apple box here, whatever it is, right, just all these tiny little things that add up to a lot, and so we were able to do that, um, now that might not always be possible. So, you know, like a good sort of, um, Cub Scout, you always want to come over prepared sort of thing. Um, you know, when it comes to like filmmaking for me, a lot of that preparation comes through rehearsals, right. And having the actors know what the overall intent of, you know, each scene is. So that way we've practiced it. We, we've seen what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, speaking with the various crew members, in particular, um, you know, the technical team of camera, sound, and so forth, <clears throat> having us be ready. And, you know, just kind of also knowing that uh, when you're in the moment, you have to adjust. And so anticipating as many things that could go wrong so you have fail-safes for that, right? Um, but if possible, you know, um, you know, full run-through is awesome. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of, uh, that was very beneficial and, you know, we'll have a post-mortem of that so we get, you know, everyone kind of took their own individual notes and there's an overall collective of those notes but, you know, now getting everyone on the same page, you know, after the fact in a non-pressing environment because they're, you know, at, at the club, like, 
there wasn't a lot of lights. Um, there wasn't a lot of room for us to like really sit and chat and so forth, right? So it was just kind of, we went in with the mission, did it, learned from it, took our own notes, kind of compiled the notes, but now we get to really sit and reflect with those notes. Uh, I think uh, that's, that's another important aspect of you know, a run-through is not just doing it, but also having a period of reflection. And again, that can apply to, you know, other forms of, you know, like filmmaking, right? Where after, let's say, a rehearsal, you know, you, you, you know, or a couple of rehearsals, you can meet with everybody and be like, okay, cool. Here's kind of where we're at. Let's recalibrate, right? Um, also the beneficial part for me, you know, I thought we we're going to be there for much longer than we needed to. So we actually were very on top of our game and on a personal note that allowed me to go see my friend, uh, Aaron Strangoni's film that he wrote. Um, it was playing at this film festival, Scream Fest, and it was called Shaky Shivers. If you're into like goosebumps, this is very much in that vein. And, uh, so comedy horror, um, designed for kids essentially, but it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was like an hour and 20, so it didn't overstate its welcome. But um, but yeah, it was it was great that I got to fit both in because I didn't think I would be able to, that, that the run-through would be much longer than it ended up being. So um, that was a lot of fun, right? So that was Wednesday. Now some exciting news that I also want to share, speaking of screenings. Uh, a Bogota trip, my second feature film, it will be playing at the Silver State Film Festival on October 30th, 12 p.m. It is part of Block YY. And uh, it's linked to down in the description box to get tickets, but tinyurl.com slash Bogota Trip Vegas is where you can get the tickets. Um, it's, uh, like I said, it's playing in Vegas. It's... Um, it's right there, all, all, the, all the details and so forth. It's part of a, a great theater, um, you know, by the, uh, the Orleans Hotel. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, you can stay there if you'd like. There's still rooms available there and stuff like that um, to be closest to the, the festival itself. But it's exciting, you know. Um, we, we're kind of, in an odd way, we're still kind of ramping up our festival run with everything. You know, we've been part of some great festivals. Um, we're currently, you know, participating as part of the Paris Liftoff Film Festival, um, which uh, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, that's uh, Paris related. Um, so it's a little uh, further away. But, um, you know, Vegas, especially for me in L.A., um, you know, it's a it's it's a trip, but it's, uh, you know, an easy enough trip to be able to make, you know, one can drive, one can fly, um, things of that nature. So it'll be fun. Uh, and hopefully I'll get to see you there as well. Enjoy this movie, um, that me and the rest of the team made and we're very proud of. Uh, so yes, that's Silver State Film Festival, October 30th, which is a Sunday at 12 p.m., uh, part of Block Y, Y, and uh, why not spend uh, Halloween weekend in Vegas, right? Um, that's another added bonus to it all. Anyway, shifting gears, uh, I've talked in the past about uh, this nonfiction book that I'm making about how to be a filmmaker, essentially, on a low budget, right? 
you know, I was very much inspired by Rebel Without a Crew, and I think that's a, an amazing book that is just a must-read for any filmmaker. And for, you know, for a long time, I've been thinking about, like, you know, I want to do my own version of it, and how could I, and so forth. And really, the angle is that when it comes to low budget, I think a lot of people feel like they're restrained, right? That they can't go big and be ambitious in the way that they would want to be. And now having made two feature films, I want to essentially, I mean, I've proven to myself that that's not the case. And now I want to do it for people out there and really give them both the inspiration and actual tactics to sort of dispel that myth and to allow them to make the type of movie that they want to make. And so, you know, um, that's been progressing, um, you know, much like all things in the early stages, it feels like it's going slow, right? Where it's a lot of conversations, it's a lot of planning and organization. And so, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times when people talk about writing, they think that words are the key indicator of progress. And it's not always the case. In fact, it's not really the case. You know, a lot of times, if you can really front load and put in the work to be as meticulous to get on the same, you know, for yourself, you know, whether you're writing it solo or with, you know, you have collaborators, whatever the case may be, getting on the page, essentially, your thoughts and what it will be and what you're trying to accomplish so that way you essentially have a thesis statement and everything kind of operates around that, it will strengthen the work as opposed to just going in in which way uh, and, and trying to figure it out, right? Um, so in that sense, you know, on a words count, no, not much progress has been made, but in terms of figuring out the overall structure, the overall goals and things of that nature, yes, um, it continues to make progress. And I'm, I'm very excited by this piece of work, you know, I, I think it'll have something to offer to the world, right? Um, as it may, not to everybody, but, but enough people that, that it matters, right? And it's worth pursuing. So, uh, I'm excited about that. And, you know, in fact, uh, speaking of like, just taking the time to reflect and, 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 you know, really organizing things, you know, I've been talking very recently about um, this trilogy of movies that I've been, you know, essentially plotting, right? And it's a fantasy, right? In all intents and purposes, like a sci-fi fantasy, if you will. And that means I have to know the entire world, right? Like quite literally, like what is the world that this is taking place in, right? So knowing quite literally the world map, you know, the different territories and, um, you know, how that affects things, you know, the character design and how that affects the plot um, and reflects um, each individual's characteristics and their traits and so forth. So, yeah, a lot of effort has been going into that. You know, I I um, purchased a couple of uh, con- concept books, right? So, like, um, in filmmaking, there's, like, if you go to Barnes & Noble and go to the film section, there's plenty of books about, like, conceptual art, right? Um, if you're unfamiliar, and 
it's essentially the artwork that they used in designing whatever it may be. It could be the gadgetry, the weaponry, um, the set design, the costuming, and, and so forth, right? And so I got a couple of those types of books for inspiration to draw from, you know, that are kind of in the dystopian realm, you know, this futuristic dystopian kind of realm, because that's kind of, you know, what we're aiming for. Um, and it's been great to kind of look at that and, and really reflect upon, you know, the choices that they make, um, because it all goes into it, right? Unlike with the other movies that I've so far made, the types of costuming in my movies was far easier to figure out uh, for the characters um, than, you know, this sort of fantasy. And that's the fun part, right? That's the challenge of it all is, you know, how can you reflect who they are as a person through their clothing, through the environment, and so forth. And, you know, it's certainly a, a big, tall order. Um, it's a lot of moving pieces in that way. And obviously, like, on a, on a major budget movie, you have production designers and costumers and so forth. Um, but regardless, I mean, you know, that time will come in essence where I will need to plug and play those various people um, and maybe not like all of them, but, you know, one that takes on multiple roles, whatever it is. But nonetheless, even in this stage of, of all of it, right, I need to be creating the world. And as the writer, I need to have these elements in mind enough to give it a direction so that way when the time does come where there are these people, they can interpolate that and and put it together, right? I mean, you know, no different than like J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote Lord of the Rings, right? You know, people off of that novel had to write the script and then, you know, get it on from the page to to film, right? And that is both in terms of acting, you know, um, production design, visual style, like all, all, all the stuff that I'm talking about, right? And the nice part is when you hear the behind the scenes making of from Peter Jackson, it really was whenever they had a question, they went back to the source material because they could gleam enough from from there of you know even in the just smallest of details it gave them a direction to shoot for rather than like oh this person just carried a sword right it's a little, it's like well what kind of a sword right it, it, the indication of that was all there and they just had to really be on the lookout for it right and so same thing in this regard, right, um, whenever you write, whether it's a screenplay or a novel, you have to know your world. You have to know the, your characters. And, you know, it's it's that sort of iceberg effect where, you know, 10% of all the, the things you think about will end up in the actual story itself. But you have to know the full richness of each character's lives. You know, what were they like before the story? What will they like essentially be after? You know, um, 
where do they live? What do they work? Like, these aren't details that may ever come up in the story, but it's part of their history, right? Um, and, and, and it's important to know all these details as one plots the story. And in fact, you know, whenever, whenever I begin, because I'm, you know, even though I've made good progress, I'm still at the early stages of a lot of this. And as I said, or at least intonated, this is the most ambitious story that like I'm telling. I mean, number one, I'm creating an entirely, not necessarily a new world, but um, but certainly a world that um, is heightened than, from, than our own, right? And so, you know, what does that look like and, and whatnot, right? And it's intended to be a trilogy, right? And there's many, many characters, whereas, you know, even with this project called In Search of Sunrise, which I'm, which I wrote as a screenplay, did a, a conceptual piece for, that's like three minutes, called Playtest, and was intending it as a movie, but then um, now have kind of shifted gears and I'm using it as my second novel, right? That, if I, like, really explained it, is very ambitious, right? It's this sort of um, sci-fi concept uh, about a girl against her father. Her her dad is creating this machine called dynamic content immersion, uh, which essentially allows for whatever user to you know consume whatever it is that they would like. Right? Um, it's sort of a direct thinking about. Direct reflection of this idea that uh, you know there's so many fandoms out there now, and um, a lot of times you know people have their own idea of what like Star Wars should be, or even like now with like Halloween um, and Mike Myers, right, and all all these different sort of franchises of like what they expect versus what what ends up getting made, and and the disappointment comes from sort of that disconnect, and so. In Search of Sunrise is about the dad having created a machine that, like, essentially, whatever the user wants, that's what, you know, gets created, right? Their own perfect movie. Um, But it turns sinister and stuff like that. So, you know, the daughter character, she essentially wants to destroy the machine because she sees what's really underneath all of that, right? And it's it's a very heady ambitious type of story and yet it still has a contained amount of characters a contained amount of setting and it's just one essentially story meaning like from start to finish it, it it's only one book right it, it, w- it was only intended to be one movie and so when you extract that to a trilogy and you know there's People globe trotting, and there's many interweaving plots and characters and so forth. You know, it it requires a lot of effort, and that's the fun in it, right? Um, that's why I was drawn to this. You know, my famous now sort of uh, reflection point is: I remember a friend saying, like, "Hey, I think you should just like focus on 
short films and, you know, kind of just slow it down a little and, you know, hone the craft and so forth. I was like, I kind of want to do a trilogy, <laughs> right? So being the, the complete opposite of, of that, you know, because that to me, like a short film is no longer just fun. I mean, you know, I'll talk about a short film that I am making, which might seem counterintuitive to what I'm talking about, but there has to be a specific reason for me to go do that. You know, I'm at the point where, I mean, you could consider life as short um, as a mentality or whatever, but like, I don't know. I want to continue to challenge myself creatively and do these ambitious things. And unfortunately, like a short film, unless it's for exploration of something, isn't this fun for me, you know? And when now with each film that I've done, I've learned various techniques um, to continue to rise as, a, as both a technical filmmaker, as both, a, you know, uh, from the storytelling perspective, yeah, I want to continue to grow. And I found ways to do it relatively cheaply, right? And so it's like, well, why not? Why not continue to foster that, you know, and, and continue and see like what I'm capable of, right? It's no different than, you know, adventurers out there who, who test the limits of their body or continue to like do more. It's like, Hey, you know, why not? Let's see what I'm capable of. And that's what this is all about. Right. And it just really, what it comes down to is just having patience to be able to grind it out, knowing that it's going to take a, a long time. We're talking years, right? And so it's just putting in the work. And, and certainly, you know, unlike with Lord of the Rings and these things that I'm talking about, this is not my full-time job as much as it would be awesome if it were, but it's not, right? So it's like finding the pockets of time and, and really, you know, making the most of what I have in that way and not being upset that like, oh, what was me? It's just, no, it's what I have. This is, this is the cards and let's do it. And, you know, part of my strategy has been also re-listening to Story by Robert McKee. You know, I have the audio book on Audible. And so whenever I go on uh, walks with my dog, you know, I'll, I'll listen to that. I mean, it's, it's only like five hours total in terms of the book, but it's, it's just really great to have Robert's voice because it is narrated by Robert. You know, his voice in my ear reminding me and bring to front the stuff that I know, but uh, making it front and center, right? Um, and so, yeah, and that's, that's been a lot of, a lot of fun to, to go. And that, that's certainly been a very good guiding light and has continued to refocus me. Like anytime an idea comes and I start to get off track, it's like great to hear Robert's voice and um, also check other notes and so forth to be like, oh, you know what? you know what, don't, let's just put that like as an idea somewhere, but um, right now it's antithetical to what the objective is, right? So yeah, um, so that was part of it. Um, one of the things early on in Robert McKee's story is he talks about the, the three types of plots. So there's the arc plot, um, the, the mini plot, and the anti-plot. Um, 
and I'm not going to go too technical with it. Um, I'm only bringing it up because my sort of twisted mind was like, but what if, you know, since it's a trilogy, what if the first movie was an arc plot, the second movie was a mini plot, and the third one was an anti-plot? Um, I think that would be a challenge maybe for down the line um, if I wanted to. I, I think it's it's already ambitious enough with what I'm trying to do that to, you know, fit it into that sort of objective would just be too much, let's just say, right? And and not worth the ultimate story that I'm trying to tell. Like it would, it would, um, it just wouldn't work, right? It, w- it would take in a direction that is not intended and that's not what I want, right? So um, yeah, that's how kind of going about all these various things. Uh, another, so I, I made mention of short films, right? And so over the course of these couple of months, I've been slowly putting the pieces together to make uh, this like parody short film, right? About like anywhere between five to 10 minutes. We'll see how long it ends up being. And this weekend we finally filmed like a, the, the, the last big missing part. You know, there's still a few shots here and there that I need to get, but those depend on me solely, right? Um, they don't depend on anyone else but me just getting some B-roll that I know I can grab at any point in time. But as far as the utilization of actors and, and, and people that I need for this, um, this is it, right? So we, we've essentially filmed it, and then it was a lot of fun. I'll post kind of like a behind-the-scenes video of that on on social media, on my YouTube page and stuff like that. So you can kind of see, but it was a green screen shoot. Um, and yeah, because of the nature of the green screen I, that I have, to get all the various angles, I essentially had to rotate various people. Um, and we had to like keep the geometry in mind. And, you know, that's always kind of like, again, when you when you talk about like rehearsing and preparation, you know, knowing that, knowing the shots you want to get, and knowing where things are, um, because you have to keep that all in your mind, um, or at least like write it down sort of thing, because if you don't, it can be very easy to get lost in like, wait, where are they supposed to be looking? You know, that that sort of thing. Where's this? Where's that? Um, but we did it. It was literally like 20 to 30 minutes. Like it was just a couple of shots. Um, very simple, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And it reminded me because, you know, this was like a, a very small fraction of, I made mention of In Search of Sunrise and having filmed a concept piece for that, like a three minute short film. And for that, I literally, to film it, I had to put green screen basically everywhere in my apartment. So over the course of this one weekend, I essentially moved everything into my bedroom from my kitchen, my living room, and so forth. And with my friend Khalil's help, we put up green screen everywhere. <laughs> and I remember, like, it was just hard to, like, get in through the front door. One had to, like, you know, just uh, shimmy, you know, suck their stomach in sort of thing, shimmy, um, you know, with their back against the wall. And then there was an opening, and then they were in the middle of this, like, encompassing green screen, right? Um, And I 
I posted a video of that a while ago. Um, you can find it on my YouTube page. This was in like... This was in early 2021, I believe. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I just I recalled that memory in my mind and how crazy like that was, you know, that like there's just green screen everywhere. Um, so, you know, this was just but a tiny portion of it. And, and yeah, now that I have like the big, this big missing component of it, I can now start start to edit it all together and ha see how it's all coming together now. A large chunk of it will need to be done through visual effects um, because there's green screen work and stuff like that. But it's not, you know, enough that it'll take time, but it's not like crazy where we're, we're like building out these massive worlds and so forth. But um, But yeah, I mean, you know, this was a project that, it just seemed like a lot of fun to do, right? There's there's really not a purpose beyond just... I mean, there is in the sense that I wanted to make a short film and I wanted to put it up as an NFT and see, you know, what someone would be interested in something like this, you know? Um, because my theory is that right now from the majority public standpoint, it's like, well, what is an NFT? And um, most NFTs are crap. And it's like, well, what if I put in actual effort you know, at the end of the day, art is subjective, but like, you know, uh, like for the most part, not just like going into Microsoft Paint for 20 minutes and putting, you know, creating something and putting it up, like actual effort to make something. And what would that be worth to somebody, right? And just going through that process. So that's um, the genesis of all of this. Um, but beyond that, like as, as, a, as a piece of work, it's not like this is some concept piece for a feature film or, you know, a franchise or anything like that. It's just for silly fun, ultimately, which, you know, some people would say, well, why do that? Um, and it's like, well, again, because it's fun. And I think sometimes we, we sort of can forget that, you know? I mean, we make art, yes, because we want to have something to say and communicate, but but it needs to be for us first and foremost. Otherwise, why are we doing it? You know, I was, I was just also thinking about this, like the word influencer and my thoughts on it. Number one, what are, what are you influencing, right? Like if you, if you think about it, like influencer in and of itself is a very weird catch-all phrase because... I can be an influencer of filmmaking, right? Like, it, 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 like beyond just, like, don't, meaning don't aspire to be an influencer. Aspire to be some, something substantive and then you can have an influence on people, right? I think that's the aspect that we tend to forget. Um, you know, it's like we're, chasing like fame and money sort of thing, right? Um, but it's like, well, how do, you, how do you do that? You know, well, if you want to be a rich and famous actor, well, guess what? You know, that may never come. And the way to do that is, yeah, you kind of have to have the talent, right? And if you don't focus on that, then you're not going to make it. And sure, there's, you know, counterexamples of that, but it, it just still to me is 
too and far between. And when I look at like the people that stand the test of time and, and really have an audience, it's because of the work that's there, you know, and there's people who like, they're really good and talented at what they do. Whether it's a wine influencer, whether it's a um, you know, cosplay influencer, and they're able to like stitch together these amazing costumes from next to nothing, and you know, or these um, fashion gurus, if I want to call them that, of like that know how to you know, just dress really well, dress cheap, and have all these like, like whatever it is, just you know, th- there's a substance behind it versus like, oh, I just wanted to be an influencer. It's like, okay. But what, 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 is, what is the actual craft, you know? Like, I know um, this, like, chef who's, who's on the rise, and it's like, you know, her name's Chef uh, Pia, and, you know, she fuses indigenous food um, and, and stuff like that, and it's like there's a story behind that, and that's awesome, right? So I think that's the way we just need to approach some of, more of this stuff, and yeah, I just kind of been thinking about that, um, just in terms of, you know, I think people just also want the end result, and, but but yet, like, the people that I see getting the results, they're really just having fun with what they're doing, and that's why, like, again, with the short film, like, yeah, there's, there's an intention to learn about the NFT space and stuff like that, but beyond that, and maybe it'll blow up in ways that I'm certainly not aware of at the moment, you know. But my focus is very singular in that way of, like, just have fun with the short film, make it good, and then just see what, you know, use it to learn about the NFT space. And it's not like I'm trying to make a million dollars. I'm not even trying to make a thousand dollars. I mean, it might make a penny, right? But that'll teach me enough of okay, cool, that's the value of of this, or whatever, right, Um, yeah, so, I don't know, just something to think about, I guess, the other thing, when it comes to storytelling, that I've been thinking more about, and I kind of jokingly tweeted this, but I, I I really do believe it, that if you're a writer today, as things go more streaming, and as streaming changes, where now we're getting ad-supported models, well, the funny part is, now you essentially got to bring in ad breaks, right? So if you're a writer for a TV show, you know, now you got to start thinking of your ad breaks. Much like you used to do, um, not too long ago, but we've sort of gotten away from that because with streaming, we didn't need to do ad breaks. Well, now we're sort of going back to that. And I also said, like, and heck, if you're a you know, screenwriter for movies, do the same thing. And it's kind of true, you know? So if you are a writer out there, something to think about because a lot of streaming platforms, there's ad-supported ones like a Tubi. Um, You know, there's a lot of free content as well on YouTube. Um, Like, for example, there's a wonderful movie that I saw called Final Girls really amazing, has Mount um, Ackerman in it, uh, Adam Devin, um, 
uh, Nina Dobrev, like really just fun movie. It's about essentially this group of teenagers that get sucked into uh, 1986 uh, slasher horror film and they have to essentially use their smarts to uh, survive in this quote-unquote movie, right? And the movie is Camp Bloodshed. So it's it, it's a horror comedy, right? It's a lot of fun. And I wanted to see it. And it was free with ads on YouTube. And, you know, I think... I think so, so the point is that it's already out there. But then you see, like, Disney and you know, perhaps HBO, um, certainly Netflix, like shifting more into these ad tier supported um, models. Uh, And not all of it, right? I mean, they're going to have various tiers, but the the lowest tier will be ad supported as well. And so, you know, in that way, I just kind of see the writing on the wall of like, well, start integrating ad breaks into your content because it's just the way of the beast, right? Um, so yeah, take that advice for what it's worth to you. Anyway, uh, that's kind of the long and short of you know what, what I've been up to in the past week. So you know, uh, still I I continue to be on this like we can't call it a hiatus. I don't think, but overall I'm just gonna do these vlogs um, as I. Uh, want to focus more on, or ha- have to focus on some of the other stuff that I am talking about here, um, and put a lot of effort into that. Um, so I don't have the full time to, you know, put out five episodes a week like I have been doing. Um, so for you know the next few months, you know, maybe until like 2023, the start of 2023, which isn't that long uh, from now, you know, I'll kind of just do vlogs and maybe an episode here and there but overall um just the vlogs and then i'll return back to doing you know more episodes in the new year but fear not there are quite literally over thousands of past episodes you can revisit that uh you know have stuff from mastering mental fortitude to uh specific tactics on how to do stuff so um, it's all there for you if you want to check that out um, likewise, if you appreciate what I do, a few ways to support me um, is through my Patreon page, patreon.com slash philsvitech. There's various tiers of support and, you know, I can help you, right? So that's a way for us to work um, in a small capacity more directly. If you prefer, uh, you think I can help you, well, there's, of course, my coaching sessions, right? So um, we can work together that way. Or... You know, if you just want to support what I'm doing and are curious to see, you know, books, the movies, and everything that I've created, all of that is linked to down below. Um, So you can uh, support that that way. Supporting that stuff, it becomes uh, self-sustaining, and then I can create more of it, and thus learn more lessons and share those lessons here freely with you. So it's symbiotic in nature that way. Anyway, thank you so much for taking time to tune in. I truly appreciate you and hope to see you next time.